Well, it is an honor to get to be with all of you today. And when I was asked to speak, I knew right away what the Lord wanted me to share with you. Um, Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about some things recently and revealing some spiritual truths and principles. And in preparing for this message today, he also gave me a prophetic word to release that I will give at the end. But I want to start off with something that I asked during my personal prayer time a few months ago. I was praying about a particular issue that I have been praying about for quite a while now. And while I know that we are to keep praying and believing until we see breakthrough, I also know that we're not ones who are to be walking in worry. So while I may be praying for a certain thing, even for years, I can do that filled with faith and expectation. But I found myself in this cycle of saying things like, God, I'm giving this to you. I know it's in your hands. You're working this for good. You know, all the things that we know to believe and confess. But shortly after, I would find myself dwelling on it again, thinking about it again, worrying about it again. And so I just went to the Lord and I asked, you know, why do I keep thinking and worrying about this after I've prayed about it? And right away, he said to me, because you keep taking it back. And I was like, that was not what I was expecting to hear. You know, and he continued speaking to me, and he said, you need to quit taking back the worry, quit taking back the burden. And I didn't even realize that that's what I had been doing, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I feel like this is a much-needed reminder for all of us, especially as we have been hearing over and over about a fierce spiritual war season that we are about to walk out. And we have heard multiple words about this over the past few months. And within the words being given, we have also heard, but do not fear, do not be afraid. It's going to get intense, but do not fear. So I have been meditating on this and studying some things out about how to truly cast your cares upon the Lord and leave them there. To not take back the worry or the fear or the doubt. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The voice says, since God cares for you, let him carry all your burdens and worries. J.B. Phillips says, so humble yourselves under God's strong hand, and in his own good time, he will lift you up. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. So let's look at the context of 1 Peter 5.7. This was the Apostle Peter, and he wrote this letter late in his life to encourage those facing persecution for their faith. And the message he gives them is to stand firm on the gospel and what Jesus has done for them. Following Jesus was becoming increasingly difficult and costly for the early church. And Peter was no stranger to the trials these Christians were facing. He himself had been flogged, beaten, and thrown in prison multiple times. So he wrote from his personal experience to encourage them that God would come through, and he cared deeply for them. And as he ends his letter, he gives his readers some words of encouragement as they are overwhelmed with the burdens of the world. And I believe these words will be an encouragement for us today, too. The word casting used in 1 Peter 5, 7 is the Greek word epiripto, 
and it's a compound of the words epi and ripto. And the word epi means upon, as on top of something. And the word ripto means to hurl, to throw, or to cast. And it often means to violently throw or fling something with great force. The only other place this word eparipto is used in the New Testament is in Luke 19.35, where the Bible says, And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. So in this passage, we see the idea of the word eparipto, which pictures the flinging of a garment or a bag or excess weight off the shoulders of a traveler and onto the back of some other thing, such as a donkey, a camel, or a horse. You see, we are not designed to carry the burden of worry, of fretting, of anxiety. And this verse is saying, take that load and heave it with all your might Fling it over onto the back of Jesus and let him carry it for you. Just as Luke 19.35 says, they cast their garments upon the back of the donkey. Now you need to cast your burdens over on the Lord and let him carry those burdens for you. As I was studying this, Holy Spirit reminded me of a dream that I had many years ago. And in the dream, God said to me, remember the first time I carried you. And I remember weeping upon hearing those words in the dream. And when I woke up, the dream was so vivid to me as if I had audibly heard those words from the Lord. And so I began to try to figure out this dream and try to remember when was the first time Almighty God carried me. And during my prayer time, I started asking him questions like, why do you want me to remember this? And what are you trying to teach me? And I've shared my story many times about going through multiple miscarriages. And so at the time of the dream, I thought back to my first miscarriage. And that was the first time I really found myself in a situation of not knowing what to do and of wondering how something like this could be happening. And it was the first time my faith had been tested in a very real, tangible way. And so I decided to look up the word carry. Carry means to hold or support while moving. The image of being carried is that you're being held, but you're moving. For example, if you're carrying your child, you're not standing still, that would simply be holding. But rather, you're moving your child somewhere. You may be carrying him because he's tired. Maybe you're carrying him to get somewhere quicker or just to make things easier. When God carried me through that first miscarriage, he carried me to a new place in him. He moved me to a different level. When you pick someone up to carry them, you're bringing them higher, and higher levels give a different perspective. Think of a child who gets up on her dad's shoulders to see better, maybe to see above a crowd or to see a farther distance. It gives fresh perspective. So when God carried me at this time, I began to see differently because I was higher with him. So I had his perspective. And I became stronger and more trusting. And I became more persistent. I became a fighter and more of a worshiper. It's easy to worship when life is good. It's much harder to worship when life is hard. And God had also told me in the dream to remember and remember means to have in or be able to bring to mind an awareness of someone or something that one has seen, known, or experienced in the past. It means to recall, to recollect, to keep in mind. So my question was why? 
why did he want me to remember the first time he carried me? And then it dawned on me, he's always carried me. Sometimes he's had to rock me. Sometimes he's had to walk me gently while I wept in his arms. Sometimes he's needed to carry me with a firm grip so I wouldn't turn and run the other way. Sometimes he's carried me when I didn't deserve it. He carried me just because he loves me. Isaiah 46.4 says, I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. The first time he carried me wasn't when I was going through my first trial. The first time he carried me was when I was born. According to Isaiah 46.3, it says, Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried you since you were born. There's never not been a day when he hasn't carried me. There's never not been a day when he hasn't carried my children or my family. And there's never not been a day when he hasn't carried you. And I get weary in the waiting sometimes. And I think that's when I have the tendency to take something back that I was never meant to hold. A worry or a burden that I'm not supposed to carry. I'm supposed to cast it off and leave it with God. And I constantly have to build my faith up by meditating on his word and his promises. So I believe the words I heard in my dream, remember the first time I carried you, was a way of reminding me that all my days and times are held by him. From the time I was born, every moment, he knows the end from the beginning. And it was a powerful reminder that while I may think things are at a standstill, he is carrying me. It's what his word says. He is carrying my family too, which means he is holding us while moving. I don't know what God is doing behind the scenes, but he has assured me that things are moving. It is incredible to know that you are in the powerful arms of someone who loves you and cares for you. Deuteronomy 33:27 says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He is carrying you and he is more than able to carry anything that concerns you. As we go through this upcoming spiritual war season, we can trust and know that he is carrying us through. The Apostle Peter says we are to cast all of our cares upon Jesus. And the word cares is the Greek word merimna, which means anxiety. It is described as any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. It could refer to problems that are financial, marital, job-related, family-related, business-oriented, relationships, sickness, anything that concerns us, it's all covered. This means anything that causes you worry or anxiety, regardless of why it happened, is what you need to throw over onto the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Nothing is too big or small to talk to the Lord about. Peter says, because he careth for you. And that word careth is taken from the Greek word malay, which means to be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested, to be aware, to notice, or to give painful and meticulous attention. Peter uses this word to assure us that Jesus really does care about us and the things that are heavy on our hearts. 
In fact, he gives meticulous attention to what is happening to us. He is interested in every facet of our lives. So in other words, when you put all of these meanings together, 1 Peter 5, 7 could read, take that heavy burden, difficulty, or challenge you are carrying, the one that has arisen due to circumstances that have created hardship and struggles in your life, and fling those worries and anxieties over onto the back of the Lord. Let him carry them for you. The Lord is extremely interested in every facet of your life and is genuinely concerned about your welfare. You may be carrying a load or hanging on to a burden that isn't meant for you. Or you may be one who keeps taking back what you say you're giving to God like I was. You may say you're casting your cares, but they're still attached to you or you're reeling them back in. So how do we truly cast our cares and leave them? Well, I think the first answer is obvious. Pray, pray continually. Prayer is how we give our worries to God, each one. We don't need to sugarcoat them or downplay our pain. We can simply tell God what we're feeling and worried about. And we don't just pray once, but we pray over and over. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Each time a worry comes up, we turn around and give it straight to God. Another way to cast your cares is to remind yourself of what's true. When we face trials and challenges, it's tempting to stop looking at and trusting God. We tend to focus instead on what's in front of us and the fear that is building and what we can do about it. And that's why it's so important that we make it a regular practice to remind ourselves of the promises of God. Replace your worry with the word. Joshua 1.8 says to meditate on the word day and night. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Every time a situation arises, be armed and ready with a response from God's word. God's word always has an answer to any situation or problem. He will sustain you with peace that passes the understanding of humans. Turn over your worries and step into the life that he has for you. Turning to verses like 1 Peter 5, 7 can be powerful reminders of what God has done and will do for us. And in those moments, we can remind ourselves, he is with me. He cares about me. He will sustain me. He loves me. He will carry me through this. And a third way to cast our cares is to take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we take captive every thought. And I love how the message version is worded. 2 Corinthians 10.3-6 says, The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. 
Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Those are some loaded scriptures. You see, the mind is where the battle between fear and faith takes place. Whatever you allow to captivate your mind will rule your life. So if you want the word of God to reign over your thoughts, you have to resist the enemy when he tries to plant anything against it in your mind. That's why in order to cast your cares, you have to stop worried thoughts before they take root. And you know how it begins. You hear something and a little doubt begins to creep in and your mind begins racing. Much like what we have been hearing spiritually in our current time, we know that there will be a shaking, but we've also been told, do not fear the shaking. And so this is where you make a choice. Are you going to begin to worry or will you cast your cares? And the only way to truly cast them is to take that thought captive immediately. Refute it with the word of God. Begin declaring, I refuse to take this care, this worry. I'm giving it to God because I know he cares for me. And once you've taken a thought captive, if that worried thought tries to creep back in, you just begin praying and begin decreeing God's word again. Don't give voice to the worry or the fear. If you give worry a voice, you will create a place for it to live in your life. So instead, voice the word of God. You'll find it impossible to worry or be anxious when your spirit is in line with God's. And so as I was continuing to meditate and study about how to truly cast my cares, and I was getting a good understanding of the spiritual principle and how to do that, Holy Spirit began showing me some things that I needed to take back. Things like hope, trust, faith, belief, joy, peace. And to be clear, I didn't fall out of faith or belief, but I had grown weary. I was weary in standing and believing and in the natural not seeing anything. The enemy wants to take things from you. We know that he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We are not ignorant of his schemes, and we don't have to allow it. If the enemy has succeeded for a time, it's time to fight back and take back. And we see this principle over and over throughout the Bible. As I was studying, I was reminded of 1 Samuel 29 and 30, and part of the story of David. 1 Samuel 36 says, And David was greatly distressed, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This verse is describing what had to have been one of the worst days of his life. And David went through some hard days and times. In the context of this verse, David and his men had been away at battle. And when they returned home to Ziklag, they found that their enemies, the Amalekites, had taken everything. Their wives, their children, everyone else from the camp had been abducted. And to top it off, the Amalekites had burned the whole place to the ground. Scriptures say that David and his men wept until they could weep no more. Then it got even worse. David's men were so bitter about what had happened, they began talking about stoning David. And this is when David became greatly distressed and found himself at a crossroads. But verse 7 says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. The message version says David strengthened himself with trust in his God. Have you ever been at a crossroad like that? 
Maybe something bad has happened and you have a decision to make. Will you stay in the place of weeping, distress, worrying, doubting, or will you stand up, fight, and take back what the devil has stolen from you? What we know is this, David recovered all. So if we want to take back what the devil has stolen, we can follow his example. And the first thing David did was encourage himself in the Lord. And that's not always the first thing that comes to mind, but it is a key to breakthrough. So how do you encourage yourself? Well, first with the word of God, like we've already talked about, dive into the word and remind yourself of what he has said about you, the authority he's given you, and the promises he has made you. It is very hard to spend time in the word and not walk away encouraged. Second, remind yourself of all the victories he's given you. Remember those times he's healed you, he's delivered you, he's favored you, he's defended you. Remembering builds your faith to where you'll be ready to run after the enemy and take back everything he's stolen from you. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, and he gained strength for determination to take back what the enemy had stolen. And in the New Testament, we see it in a much bigger way when Jesus took back the authority from Satan and gave it back to man, to us, to believers. I've shared this before, but I think it's a timely reminder given that we are going to be walking out a spiritual shaking and battle in this coming season. It's something God said to me not too long ago, and he said, do not give false power to present circumstances. And as I pondered what that meant, I realized he was telling me the power I was handing over about the circumstance was in the wrong hands. So my next thought was obviously the power for whatever I'm facing is in God's hands. And so I wrote out this statement and I began decreeing it every day. It said, I will not give false power, which is control, authority, or influence to present circumstances. I will instead decree the power or the capacity, aptitude, authority, mighty or wonderful works of God. Our present circumstances don't define our future. And so that's one reason why you can't give the power over to current situations. The situation doesn't hold the power, but God does. We don't know exactly what we're going to be facing, but we do know who we'll be facing it with. Going back to 1 Samuel 30 and using this time in David's life as a guide, I noticed this in verse 8. It says, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David asked and God answered. God gave David something to do, which was pursue, and then God gave David a promise in the doing that David would surely overtake and recover. So when God gives us something to do, he also gives us a promise in the doing. Verses 18 through 20 says, David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. 
See, David fought and took back his wives, his children, and animals from the enemy. Everything that the enemy took, David took back. And God gave him a complete victory because David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David inquired of the Lord, and he did what God told him to do. God's promise was proved true. The promise was fulfilled exactly, but it wasn't fulfilled as David sat back passively and said, all right, God, now you can do it. The Lord fulfilled his promise, but he used David's actions to fulfill the promise. And in this time and season, we are called to be doers of the word. God's promise didn't exclude David's cooperation. The promise invited his cooperation. Much like what we're being called to do in this current time and season with commanding the forward and painting the borders, we are to do something and then God is going to release the spiritual shaking. Because David engaged and partnered with God, God gave David even more than what he had promised. He received spoil from the battle beyond what was taken from Ziglag. And this was a blessing straight from the grace of God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David inquired of the Lord. David believed God's promise, and David did what God told him to do. Because of that, he was able to step into a time of restoration and redemption and taking back all and then some. It is time to take some things back by the authority of King Jesus. And I believe God is going to restore some things in your life personally, just as he did for David. He is going to restore and, as we've been hearing, reset things in our nation. And what we're to do is cast our cares and worries, strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God, and decree his word. Confess that there will be nothing missing, missing or broken and get ready for it. In looking at another example in the Bible, it didn't look like Job would recover either. In the book of Job, we see that this upright and holy man of God was living in total misery. He didn't do anything wrong, and yet he suffered a great deal. One moment, he was a picture of wealth, health, happiness, and the next moment, death hit, and Job mourned the loss of seven sons and three daughters. Lack hit, and all of his wealth disappeared. Sickness hit, and there were open sores all over his body. Relationship troubles hit, and his wife turned on him, telling Job to curse God and die. Even his once loyal friends lost respect for Job and began blaming him for his trials. Can you imagine how alone, desperate, and defeated Job felt? He was being hit from every angle with no sign of relief in sight. But in due time, God intervened. And in Job 42.10, we learn that the Lord not only restored Job, but he gave him twice as much as he had before. He gained back everything the devil had stolen, and then some, double to be exact. And today, we still serve the God of double portion, the God of restoration, the God of better than before, so when you go to reclaim and take back what the devil has stolen, don't just go for what you lost. Expect more. Know that God is turning things around in your favor. 
Your circumstances won't define what is going on in your life. God will. Most of you have heard my testimony, and I'm not going to go over all the details, but I am going to use it as an illustration of how God restores what the enemy has stolen. After experiencing five miscarriages and all the loss and emotions of going through that, there were a lot of things the enemy was trying to take from me. He was trying to take my joy, my hope, my belief, my trust, my song, my worship, my peace, and he was trying to replace them with doubt, worry, unbelief, fear, hope deferred. But those things couldn't define my heart when I spent time with Jesus, and I handed them back to the helper. And when I gave God my worry, my anxiety, my grief, he began to give things back to me. And he said, here's your joy, take it back. God takes what was meant for evil and he turns it for good. Confusion couldn't define my heart when I would run my confusion to the counselor. And he actually counseled me on what he sees and what is to come and he gave me his perspective. And he said, you see the way that I see, take back your eyes of understanding. Fear couldn't define my heart when I took that fear to the comforter, and he said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Take back your peace. And he comforted me into peace with his promises. And I had so much promise that there was no room for fear. And when worry tries to creep into my heart, I take a few moments to get away, and the Lord says, worry does not have to define your heart. Cast your cares on me, because I care for you. Take back your faith. What are some things you may need to take back today? Fill your mind with what his word says, with what is true, with what is authentic. Spend time with him consistently. Pray, read his word, worship him, pursue his presence. If you're feeling discouraged and disheartened, it's probably time to check in with God and take some things back. Sometimes it's as simple as saying Jesus and just letting his presence soak into your spirit. I stand here today as a testimony of his grace, of his mercy, of his faithfulness, as someone who's learned to take life situations and say, I know what it looks like, but I also know God. And I know that there doesn't seem to be a way, but I know that God will make a way. And I know you may feel discouraged, but I also know that God is at work in your life. We may feel weak, but God makes us strong. We may be in a storm, but God causes us to rise above. You may feel broken, but God makes us new and beautiful. You may be sick in spirit, soul, or body, but God is our healer. You may be here today clothed in garments of loss, hope deferred, a spirit of heaviness. You may be weary, but God sent his son, and Isaiah 61.3 says, to console those who mourn, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So take back the beauty. Take back the oil of joy. Take back the garment of praise. It doesn't matter what the enemy has done or tried to do or will try to do. 
We know what we are called and purposed to do as the heirs of Christ, as his sons, as his daughters. God knows the plans he has for you in their good, and it's a future filled with hope. God is still well able to fulfill the promises he has for you. So let your heart be defined by what he says. As I was studying and praying over today's message, the Lord gave me this word to release. And here's what he said. He said, I will restore the years the locust has eaten. The enemy who has taken advantage of God's people will be removed. I will give back harvests that have been destroyed. Your fields will yield an abundance that will make up for what has been lost. The threshing floor shall be full of grain and your vat will overflow with wine and oil. I am restoring all and I am restoring more. You are going to take back in double portions. I am turning your mourning into joy and more joy. I am giving beauty and more beauty for your ashes. I am restoring your health to better than it was. Your fear is being turned to faith and that much greater faith. I am restoring more than was lost. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Double downpours, double outpourings, double is now coming to you. What is seemingly impossible in the natural will be suddenly possible by my spirit. Your intercession and worship has produced an atmosphere for breakthrough. Your breakthroughs are being prepared even now, says the Lord. I will give you strategies and my voice will open ways for you to do things in this season that will be accelerated. Once again, I am going to dry up the sea by the wind of my spirit and you will cross over into new territory and your enemies will drown in the returning waters. You are stepping into a season planned by me and there will be shouts of praise as miracles and victory begin to break out one after the other. Don't be afraid, be glad and rejoice for I am now doing great and mighty things, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Those are some amazing promises that we can begin believing God for. And so I just say, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask the worship team to come up. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Be assured of this. God's word will come to pass in your life, and he will restore and even when it may not be well with our circumstances, it can be well with our soul. So it's time to march into the enemy's camp and take some things back. Take things back in our personal lives, our children's lives, our families, our churches, this nation, across this land, to believe God for greater, for abundant, for double. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So I want to ask you all to stand, and I just want to pray over you this morning, and then we're going to seal this word in our heart through some worship. But God, I just thank you right now for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are a constant in our lives.
And I thank you for the promise that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. And I thank you for the word that was released over us today and we come into agreement with it. I decree a double portion of blessing and inheritance over every area of our lives. I decree that you, God, will restore the years the locust has eaten. I decree breakthrough over lives and situations. I decree that we will fight back, we will take back, and we will recover all. And I pray that hope and expectation would rise in the hearts of everyone in this room, those watching online. I pray that thankfulness and praise would be on the lips of everyone as we remember your goodness, your faithfulness, and who you are. So God, we love you this morning. I thank you for beautiful exchanges taking place this morning in your presence. God, where we're giving things to you and you're giving things back to us. God, anything that is not of you, we release it, we cast it, we fling it onto you, God. All of our worry, all of our doubt, any unbelief, any sickness, any fear, God. And we thank you that in exchange, you are giving things back to us. You're giving us back our joy, our peace, our faith, our hope, our belief, our praise, our song. God, we thank you, Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you for what you're doing for those who are hearing this. You give beautiful exchanges, God, and everything you give us is good. And so we're taking it all back from you, God. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I thank you for all that you are all that you've done, all that you're continuing to do. God, just fill us with your grace, your strength, your peace, your perspective, that we would see how you see, that we would say what you say. God, I just decree your faithfulness, your greatness, your mercy over every person. And I thank you for releasing breakthrough, favor, and just continue to decree double portion, God double portion. We're going to take back everything in double. Thank you that you're the God of more. You're the God of abundance. We give you all the glory, all the honor in this place today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Have a great blessed week, everyone. Thank you.